Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's going fantastic, Dennis. Your week is great, yes? Question marks? So, so far, so far. Still got still got this awesome uh, sore throat thing hanging on. But, uh, you know, I think that was a that's a, a seasonal type thing that was going around because a lot sure, of people have had sure. it. I mean, they really have. And it's funny how these things are such spread so widely but um it in mine when i had it i sydney had it first then i got it in right it just i couldn't kick it i was mm-hmm. a lot of drainage and sore throat and it just kept going gosh i'm over it but will you go away yeah yeah it's nothing else like i'm not you know weak or tired or headaches or any of that it's just sore throat and a little and a little uh not not quite congested but I can tell that there's crap in my throat that I won't. Oh, out. right. Yeah. And, I, uh, that's the worst. Yeah. And I, for, for me, I had a little bit of, I'm going into crazy stuff, but a little bit of drainage. So it drained for like an extra week on yeah, there. Yeah. Hey, did you get to the work on the house at all this week? I know yeah, it's summertime. Yeah. So I still Ma- get over there. made it over there last week and uh, got the rest of that tile up on the wall in the, uh, damn nice in the shower. It's still gotta be, it's still gotta be grouted and everything, but, um, that's happened. Uh, my dad got um, a guy we know from church to uh, to help him out with the plumbing stuff in the basement. They got to rearrange some drains and stuff for the first floor bathroom. And uh, so the the drywall mud on the second floor, I believe, is ready to be primed again. And so okay. I went through this this whole sort of debate. I'm like, well, I could. There's not quite enough priming that needs to be done with these patches to justify like dirtying and cleaning the paint sprayer. Okay. And so I'm like, do I just, do I just roll primer on with a roller? But that's a pain to do on a ceiling, especially I've got like nine oh, foot ceilings totally up is. there. Oh, it totally um, is. And like, it's easy to leave, leave streaks and tracks and stuff. And, I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to do that. And then I remembered that, of course, I've got these doors with the paint peeling off of them, and I need four of them on the second floor. I have one that's all cleaned already, and I primed with a roller and a brush, but I'm gonna need three more. So I'm like, well, why don't I get those stripped down, and then I'll set them up on the second floor, and I'll spray them with primer when I'm spraying the ceilings and whatever little bit of wall patching is. So that's what I did. Saturday and Sunday because I got one and a half doors uh, paint stripped off them. I think the next one I do, I'm going to set up my phone and do another time-lapse video because probably kind of cool looking. Get it all done. Right. Yeah. All right, dude. So I want to start, I'm going to start off quick. I know this isn't the order that you probably want to do this, but I've been, I'm, it's right on my mind. I want to jump into the, to the challenge. Can we do that? Can we skip ahead all those stuff and oh, talk about? Sure, sure. Let challenge. us talk about. Oh man, we're going to talk about that that sound here also in a minute. Uh, but so would you, you had seen this before, right? Years ago. And years ago, do you, did you did you when you watched this one real quickly? Did you? Remember a lot of it? Like, oh, yeah, I know all this. I remember all this. As as stuff happened, I remembered having seen it. It's been it's been at least 15 years ago that I saw it. 
Um, okay. So it wasn't until like things were happening that I remembered more of the details. Yeah. If let, let's do it before, since you were the one that watched this one before, and I had not seen it on. Let's do it before. If you remember, like back then, how before you watched this, how would you have thought you would your memory through you know rose colored glasses uh, on a scale of one to twelve? What what would you rank this one at? What your past you thought going into this? Oh man, I don't. At the time, I don't know, and it's hard to even say like a week ago what I would have said because it's, you know, it's one of those movies in the pantheon, right? Like, like you're, you're not like the worst thing you're about. It's like the Beatles or Citizen Kane or something. Like the worst you're allowed to say is that it's maybe a little overrated, okay. right? You you're really not allowed to say that it's legitimately bad, <laughs> right? Um, that's not okay. Um, so you're before, before you re- watched it again, one to 12. Oh, I mean, I don't know. It's such a cold thing, but like nine or 10 or something. Just remember with as, the, with, as, our, our rates are in the genre of what it is, which would be crime drama, mobster type stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're restricting it down to to mobster crime dramas like then it's going to be a 12 it's like the original crime drama right it's like romeo and juliet in the genre of tragic love stories right um so now that you've watched it how do you feel how do you feeling about it watched it again you took your time you get to see it and look at it you're older now i mean i'm different now yeah i wonder how well i was able to appreciate it when i was like 20 and watched it the Mm -hmm. first time um, you know, it's, it's always that kind of thing where like you, you know, you see stuff that you posted on social media or, or text that you sent or something from yourself, like five, sometimes 10 years ago. And not yeah. that I was really texting 10 years ago. I don't think, <laughs> right. um, well, I guess the iPhones were out. So I was, I didn't have an iPhone yet, but I had an <laughs> iPhone. Um, and you, you see stuff that you said and you're like, oh, I understood that back then. Like everything that everything that makes you you, the person you are now, feels like like something new, like something not new, but like something recent. You're like, sure. oh man, past me was such a such an ignorant, you know, whatever. And then and, yeah, and I only and I you, only came to this realization recently in my life. Yesterday, right? right. Um, which is which is not true, but um. I mean, yeah, as far as far as numbers, I don't know. You know, there's it was interesting listening to to last week's show and our sort of um, hesitations or or caveats about this movie. Like there are things about the political correctness of it that I think a lot of them were, I think, intentionally politically incorrect, even in the 70s. Oh, I agree, too. Yeah, a lot of the. The, Especially the movie director saying his his slurs. I mean, he intentionally correct when the guy corrected him with his German Irish descent. He oh, immediately I, followed I, it up with another slur. I I laughed out loud at that. That was funny to me. Mm-hmm. Like I could tell that that was being done as like a, a you know comic relief sort of not quite Mel Brooksian jab at uh, at you know the Hollywood you know whatever. Um, old guard or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but like the you know the stuff about the families and the gender roles has really only become very blatantly uh um i don't even know what what word to use for that but like the the equality slash confusion of family gender roles has you know become very extreme in the last few years but i guess to an extent you know the 70s was like the first wave of feminism so some of that stuff was already happening and this is clearly a it's made in the 70s but it's set like right after world war ii so it's um it's this already nostalgic look you know at the time of course at the time the early 70s was as far from world war ii as we are from the early 70s so so this was this was set was this set in that's what i was wondering to ask the whole time was this supposed to be set in the 50s 60s they say what is the time period here they say michael is a war hero and at one point somebody says 46 so i that's where i think it's supposed to be right after world war ii but this is an old like a bunch of first maybe second generation immigrants um you know still still speaking italian and all of that so it's like even though it's in this time this family is all still very uh traditional very heavy on the past the 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 wisdom and the lessons of the past right well i i would now you've seen this before right no i've not seen i had not seen this before oh you hadn't okay so no well then what's your number out of 12 i i i don't have reverence for a thing (laughs) that's by the way (laughs) i i think that uh i totally agree and see exactly what you say with you know i i appreciate where this thing was ranked before and how it was and i still think it's an excellent movie um but i don't see it as if i I, because it's the first time i watched it besides the things that you you kind of know, you know, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding, those things that, you know, you've heard before, or maybe seen a little clip from, you know, okay, that makes it epic to see it in its context. But aside from that, it was okay. It was an okay thing. It, it wasn't any different than some of the other things that we've seen. And I know I'm seeing this out of context because, um, it, like you said, it's the first and everything. Kinda well, yeah. I mean, it's by, again, based on like, that. Just, just like I said, it's, it's sort of like the Beatles, like, if you if you came to the Beatles fresh today and were like, oh, this, you know, this sounds just like everything else sounded for 30 years in music. Right. And people are still making music that sounds like that clean, classic rock and roll. There's not nearly as much of it as there used to be. And you're like, yeah, OK, yeah, that's true. But these were the guys who, if not invented it, like took it to its to its ultimate form and and perfected it and everything since then has been an, an attempt you know it's like wow or right. you know something like that. it's like everything well, well, since the, then the... has been trying to recapture what this was and not that you know i'm being a little bit hyperbolic like to an extent like unless you're really you know unless you have a really nostalgic way of thinking which i often do um mm-hmm. it is impossible to see this movie now 
outside of time, right? Like yeah. you can't see it as it was seen in the seventies. You oh, can't, right, right. you can't completely dissociate yourself from everything that's seeing comes everything else. Right. Um, my, my perfect example of that is that I cannot watch or think about this movie without thinking of the movie from my high school age time. Uh, you've got mail. Wait, wait, you're, you're comparing the Godfather to you got mail. Is that what you're saying? No, no. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you remember that movie you've got mail was the, the yes, third, yes. the third and final, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan rom-com. It's, 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 it's probably still one of my favorite, if not my very favorite, favorite it, rom-com. It's pretty great. So, um, Tom Hanks's character, uh, something Fox. I can't think of his first name. Right. Um, right. he, he quotes the Godfather all the time. Yeah. Right. He does. And of course he, as his alter ego in, in over, over email does as well. And so, you know, Meg Ryan makes a point about it and she talks to, uh, um, her boyfriend at the time. And he of course understands it all. It's like, it's just a part of male lexicon in the nineties. Right. Um, you know, white New Yorker male. So they just, they just understood it. Yeah. They, they just understood it. When was the Godfather? The Godfather was made in the seventies, right? Yeah. I want to say like 72. Okay. Um, well, okay. So let me, let me say this. I'm going to say a score, I guess. Um, I'd score it at a nine or 10. Um, okay. out of 12. I mean, um, you, it's you a good set up so it's much great. like you were going to give it a bad score and that's the same score I gave. Oh no. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I just don't, I also don't think like, I think that's the limit of it. I don't think mm-hmm. that I would not put this, if I watched it today as an Epic, um, that everybody says, this is the, this is the cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are cinematic masterpiece. Yes. Um, in the context of time and when it was put out, I can definitely appreciate what it was. And I also can appreciate Francis Ford Coppola for making it and being the, the originator of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That guy should be held high above for that. But the movie as itself, is which, which is what we're doing here on these challenges, is just, it's a 9 or 10. Um, it suffers from, and I know, I actually, after I started wanting to say this when I was thinking about it, that maybe it's just uh, new me is is changing, but it suffers from pacing the same way that Heat suffered from pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of these older shows do is that there's a lot of superfluous things that just don't need to be there for any reason, um, except for ambiance things. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a set lot pieces. of actors; they're just set pieces. Like the, I tell you what, the first like 15 minutes of, is of the wedding, and it's there's yeah. just so. <laughs> much of the wedding that on that I watched this over two days, by the way. And, um, the, the, the first, like I was ready to fall asleep when the wedding was still going on. I was like, this is (laughs) difficult to watch. There's a billion people. I mean, the the cast is already very large and then they add in so many speaking parts for people that don't matter for any reason whatsoever that it's Hmm. really hard to keep up with everyone. Who is this guy? Who's that guy? Who's this? I don't know if, I don't know if this is because I had seen it and I was already primed for this. To me, that whole intro sequence, while yes, it can feel like filler, is really all of the, you know, it's like we watched Heat last week and we said it takes a long time. No, not 
I mean, Heat was this way, but I'm thinking of um, uh, Highlander, where you're 40 minutes into the movie before you get any kind of explanation or exposition. All right. Right. And this is a movie with no supernatural elements. So the there is no exposition. I mean, there sort of is. Like, Michael explains stuff to Kay. And so you, right. you get a little bit of that. And so you start and... I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's impossible to come to this with no with no knowledge. Like, you come into this movie and you already have kind of a vague idea of who the Godfather is. But see, um, that, that's it. I, I didn't. That's, I mean, I, I actually, the thing about the Godfather, I thought that Vito was going to be through the whole series. I thought oh, Marlon Brando was the Godfather. Right. And that was the right. whole thing. Him getting shot early was a big surprise to me. I was like, wait. What's happening? Are, are we, we're only like an hour into this? What's, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, but it's, but that, that whole sequence is like, um, you know, he has the first conversation with the undertaker and mm -hmm. that, that gives you a sense of like who this guy is. He's a powerful man who, and you know, this guy is asking him for a favor, but he's feared. He's respected yeah. and feared. Right. But he's, right. he's feared in this, you know, he's so the way that he and I've never seen Marlon Brando in anything else, but the way that he delivers all his lines is so understated that you're like, this is a guy who has no. Like he has no overt intimidation in his bearing. Well, he never, besides the fact that he's just a big man. Right. He's right. He's a he's a big man, but he's he's intimidating because of who he is and almost almost in spite of the way that he talks, like he's so, he's so quiet. He's so understated that, um, yeah. you know, people pay attention to him. And then you've got, uh, Luca outside kind of rehearsing his lines and you're like, who is this guy? Why is he doing, you know, he seems like right. an idiot. And then Michael explains to Kay who he is and he goes in there and maybe, Again, seeing this for the second time, like I was watching for more of those things. I'm like, oh, there's Robert Duvall. I know who he is and why he's important. And they say, you know, Luca Brasi is outside and he wants to he wants to see you. And Vito's like, is he on the list? Like, why? Like, right. no, but he but didn't, see, but see, I didn't, he didn't. I don't know this. Like at that point, I was thoroughly confused oh. because they're like I said, there, there's so many people. And I don't know any of them who are important. And and here's the real kicker. They're constantly throwing in like an old they're making a big deal about an old man getting on the stage to sing. And then yeah. they'll they'll have they'll have like interactions with the family that are never seen again. And yeah, it's, it's true. It's There's all a... to set up this Italian wedding and to, to get the you know, the the point of the the family and how family is important and that's important to it. But as a person trying to figure out the plot, it was fifteen minutes of just chaos. No. Yeah, I and I could see that. I, I could see that. For me, watching it the second time, I was like, I was like, okay, well, you've got Luca. This is a guy who is is muscle. Like he's very important. He mm -hmm. he's the whole, you know, whatever. Like the leverage factor that the Don used to get Johnny, whatever the the Frank Sinatra character, right. um, out of that band contract, and right. he's so. Like he has such a the sort of like master servant mindset about his relationship with the family that he's surprised and honored to have been invited to the wedding. Right. Right. And so like they're but setting I, that I, up. I, 
they bring the I, and, and they bring the right. undertaker back right. they bring the undertaker back toward the end to do to do a little thing um right and so yeah for me it was all this but, like very subtle way of setting up the family and who they are but i can definitely see like all the stuff with them on the stage and all that something that um i really noticed watching it now that i don't think i noticed 15 years ago when i saw it is mm-hmm. how real a lot of it was uh, and i mean obviously okay. it's a you know it's a, a movie set in a different time and there's all this thing but like right. like the cast all the the extras in the family like they span all ages right, right. like there are actual all shapes kids, and sizes and real yeah, people there are actual kids on stage there are old men there are thin old men there are fat old men um right the, it's, the, it's right it's you want to talk about like this i don't want to say diverse cast but like as people people they're right. not like C, they're not all w show they're all italians all like right pale dark-haired you know whatever but they're all you know they're not you know the cast of a cw show like absolutely they're, not. You're right. they're all normal real looking people and um yeah. For and sure. You, and you know, whole, the whole show had that feeling. They'll have a normal, you know, they're holding a baby and the, the baby's fussing and crying. And I'm like, yeah, that's what babies do. You know, not just yeah, that, that's right. in, the, in right. the delivery room scene. Like at any given time, a baby could be crying for seemingly no reason. And, and they did in the, the, this show. Like there were several times when like the kid was just screaming. And I even want to be like, ah, oh, can somebody shut that kid up? But that's right. That's that's normal. And even one scene when like the the, the grandkids are seeing, you know, grandpa the don and uh don corleone and the baby's just screaming and she can't she apologizes because he can't hold her you know i'm like that's that's you're right that's very real normal it does make it feel like this is a real thing well and even when and even in that early sequence when he's meeting i think it's when luca comes in to meet with him like two of the kids nephews grandkids or godsons whoever like a couple of kids come into that that office where Vito and Tom are meeting with, uh, with all of the, you know, the petitioners or whatever. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, this is a real, like they're serious people doing really serious, illegal stuff, but they're a family. There's still kids running around and. Right. And, and, and was, you know, that's that you have to get that to, to, to Coppola for making, for, that's all a director's thing, right? Mm-hmm, making sure mm-hmm. that all this stuff is very grounded and that, you know, those are deliberate choices. Which is sure. again masterpiece, but again, that is uh, still felt like such a pacing problem. It was it was definitely a three hour movie like Heat that took a long time to get through, and you had to like hang on with it. And this one was the same way. It felt like I'm 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 I know this is three hours. I'm sitting down for three hours, and I'm going <laughs> to put my nose to the grindstone on these slow things. But but I just think now I'm not an editor, but I've got a lot of appreciation for good editors these days, sure. um, and I can recognize them in movies. You know when they've done a good job, and uh, or when they've actually done a, a horrible job. And this is the ones where you're like, you know what? In the hands of a good editor, it can still be an amazing epic movie where you get everything done. They just don't need everything you know they sure. can just they can i mean michael's whole whole thing with his his wife in italy in, in was Sicilia. pointless it, it means nothing but they spent a lot of time on it mm-hmm. and he had a whole life over there and i guess that's what they're trying to say but it, it, it was meaningless it meant nothing <laughs> um well maybe they were i mean uh, <sighs> we didn't say this at the beginning that this, this movie is like 40 years old but 
Um, <laughs> We're going to spoil it. More than that. 20. It's it's almost 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't seen it, you don't want to be spoiled. Go see it. Uh, it's on Netflix. Okay, we're back. So, so I mean, part right. of that, part of that, I'm sure, is just to lend weight and significance to his wife being killed, right? But um, but he doesn't he doesn't seem to like he go, he as soon as he gets back, it's like fast forward two years or something, and then or a year, well, and then he and it, he he's right back. And the first thing he does is he he asks for that other lady's hand in marriage. Except and you're like okay. except th- they do really weird things with the time, like. I mean, I'm sure they're trying to convey that he's been in Sicily for a long time by like keep going back there and it takes a long time. And that's like the main part of the movie where you hear the theme song and it just mm. plays over and over in different ways. Um, But then when he comes back and finds Kay again, he's been back for a year. He right. says that but she's like, when jumped, when they it, jumped into that, when did you get back? And I'm like, man, he just got back. And he's like, I've been back about a year. I'm like, what? They, right. They do these weird jumps because then they get married and then they jump forward again to when um, Vito finally passes and he's got two kids, you know, who are like small kids. They're like four or five. Right. Maybe maybe not quite. Like it's two years. It's just this weird thing that they that they put these pacing in places that I'm not sure why they why they do them or or i know why they do them and it's it's fine but you could have done i know that a lot of times when i'm i've watched several um um director's cuts or when that's what's it called no when the director's on the blu-rays where they talk on the on the audio commentary so hear them the commentaries right I, i've listened to several commentaries with directors on some of my favorite shows and and especially i always watch the, the director's commentary on deleted scenes um, right. And when they sit there on deleted scenes and the directors are talking, they're like, this is a fantastic scene. It does this and it sets up this relationship. But at the end, we wanted to make sure that it, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily as important to the, to the scene and we needed to get over you know, to get the pacing going forward. So it, unfortunately, it had to hit the, the cutting room floor. I, I think that they could have they done that a hundred times on here. They could have been like, mm-hmm. this is a great, you know, he has a wife, it's good. But really, ultimately, we can just say he's been gone for a year. Well, and and like a lot of things, you know, around the same time that I watched this as a teenager, um, Mm -hmm. I watched Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, that's another epic long one. Which is another like super long. I mean, there are are scenes of him like riding across the desert that are like 10 minute sequences. And I'm like, what is this? My God. And right. I, I watched that with commentary and there's a point where the director said they're doing this scene. And he's like, he's like, this was a fairly new thing uh, in movies at, at the time to do such fast cuts. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, these are the slowest cuts I have ever seen. These right. were short cuts. Right. Um, yeah. And that, that's and, something that but, I have and had so, in and so the, the, Just the point today. I wanted to make with that is that there is a certain element of like, you know, like I've said several times, like it's a product of its time. People in that era weren't as bombarded with media and entertainment as we are now. And so, you know, a movie had a movie had room to breathe, like even more than, you know, you didn't have to try and cram the Dark Knight and Death of Superman into one terrible movie. Right. But that still came under like still two hours, right? I mean, they still did it. The, the as bad as it was yeah. the the thing is it's i always find it interesting with movie links and audiences uh, attention spans over time is that you know back then 
long movies were uh were this was a three hour movie but it they usually generally weren't they were 90 minutes or under for most things um and then for most movies and then when you got long ones they were like they called them epics and they were like this is a a vast movie that they spent Lawrence of Arabia be ready to sit down and watch this movie forever the godfather same thing you know take take your uh, take a snack with you they would you know that's exactly <laughs> how these were portrayed and then you know as things got longer or later on they were like you have to be under 90 minutes or at 2 hours is the long epic type stuff and then eventually shows would come out like um lord of the rings that were 3 mm-hmm. hours long for each one but they weren't, and they're all considered epics, but they weren't, this, people didn't feel when you went and watched them like this was a three-hour marathon because they were paced in, in the way that every beat had things. It was important right. that they had them. And he, Jackson, cut tons of time out of that, like something like 60 minutes out of those things. Um, I, and I so knew the a guy who was still there. I knew a guy who bought and watched the theatrical cuts of those movies. And I'm like, why? Oh, I, did. I, own, I own them. Why? I own them. Why would? Why would you not watch the extended? That's the real one. Oh that's, no 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 no! I, I have both. I said I, right, I bought right. the theatrical one first. He, came out he only watched. watched. It was like his repeat. He didn't watch sitcoms or anything, and so it was his like go to, relaxing watch. Watch some part of Lord of the Rings again. And, right. Uh, well, I, because a lot of those things again are pacing that are superfluous. To you don't need it. So if you watch the, just the the theatrical release, you're getting a, a very well put together paced thing that ma- that makes sense for almost every scene. There's yeah, a few, and, but you know. And when I when I was that age, I was in my early twenties when those movies came out, um, the Lord of the Rings movies. I was definitely in the like books are far superior to adaptations mindset Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. the the extended versions were like okay well they're there's less screwed up in in the it's long enough like he couldn't fit it all in theatrical so here's the extended release and this one's closer to the real the real thing which is the books um and like a lot of things I've, i've i've mellowed on that over time where right there are well well, there are large segments of those books that are that are almost unreadable. You're like, what? Right. What oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely. When I was reading them through, I was like, whoa! I don't even get this, and I just watched the movie of it. Yeah. Um. So, so to to, I want I want to wrap it up because we've spent a little bit of time on this, but I also want to not leave with. I've been saying the bad things with some of the really cool things that I saw while watching it. Um, the death scenes were very realistic mm-hmm. and aggressive. Yeah, considering all fifty ways. years ago, special effects like. Holds up, holds up pretty well. I mean, there are a couple scenes where you're like, um, you know, when when Sonny goes to 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 beat up the brother-in-law, and oh, that one's terrible. That like, one's horrible. There's there's one of those there's one of those pulled punches that he just completely whiffs. It's very noticeable. Oh, good. I'm glad you mentioned it because I saw it and I rewound it. So it's like I I he's noticed like three feet from his face. I noticed that, <laughs> and I noticed in the funeral scene, you can definitely see like semi trucks on the interstate. And I'm like, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't point, aim the camera down just a little bit more. Like there are all these, you know, old, old Buicks or, or whatever from the, from the late forties. And, and you got, you know, semi trucks back there in the background. Now you barely <laughs> notice it if, unless you're looking for it, I think, but, um, but, but I did there. Those, those were the only two I, right. But, but, but the, like the, was it, is, is it Luke, Luke, Abra- what's his name? The, the, Luke the Abrazi gets, dude. he gets choked. 
He gets garroted. Yeah, and when he dies, that's one hell of a scene. Yeah. I mean, it's one hell. And, and they spend a, what might be considered a long time on it, but it's it's a very impactful long time. When when they At the end, when they kill his brother-in-law, um, and he's kicking out the glass. The same way Again, in the car. Fantastic yeah. scene, you know. Well, that um, whole... They, the, the other thing, aside from You've Got Mail, the other thing I can never dissociate this movie from is anytime I'm in a Catholic church or see a Catholic, uh, baptism or, or, mm -hmm. or mass. Like I'm reminded of that sequence toward the end of the movie. Um, when he has, when he has all the other heads of the families oft. Right. And you, cause, cause it's so, it's such a dramatic sequence, like back and forth, back and forth with the music and the build up. Yeah. Well, which is also a, a funny thing that happens with that movie that was one another reason why I don't rate it higher than a nine or ten is that when, when they get the other families involved, it takes a long time to get there when they finally have the meeting with the other families and you start to have more than just the one he's having a war with. And you see the actual Don of the family, the, the narcotics family, I can't remember his name. Um, you don't see him until like an hour's left in the show. And then... Uh, Vito recognizes that there's a whole other family that was responsible for his shooting. Right. And I, they, then they don't show them ever again until they're shot again. <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all off. So I'm like, this is, I don't under, they're missing so much. I feel like they're okay. There's important parts that I should have been in here that I'm missing. I should see these characters more before you just off them quickly, you know, or understand them or build them up or something. And sure. they just had one scene. Okay, so the, I don't want to bitch again about that. Uh, I do want to say though that that the acting was good. Obviously, Marlon Brando was great. It, it was cool. It was as interesting all get to out. see. It was interesting to see a lot of these actors young, like very young. Oh, that's what I say. Um, I was going to say it, it's so cool to see Robert Duvall in anything. You could just you just hint of see him. He looks so different when he's younger. Uh, the guy who yeah. played Sonny, who's in everything else. Mm -hmm. um, you know him. I just I had to look him up. It's like, oh man, that that is him. But I can barely recognize him. And heck, Al Pacino is actually not as recognizable. Al Pacino looks um, like um, in the earlier scenes, he kind of looks like Matthew Broderick. He does. He looks. I mean, I'll tell you what, Michael Corleone. And, and he, this is and he this never is a shouts. Movie. He never shouts about anything. He doesn't. He he is like this is not the Al Pacino actor that I actually know. That he I hadn't, know. he hadn't you know, quite found his voice yet. He was still, but he still manages to, for like the arc that, cause it's really a story about him. It is. It's Michael Corleone movie. I, right, I didn't like know you, that till the end when he was you, the godfather. You get like, the, oh, okay. you get the setup of the Don and the kind of person, the kind of man that he is. And so Michael is sort of living in his shadow. And some of the things that I really appreciate about this movie were the subtlety when when Vito finally wakes up and finds out that, um, you know, they let Michael take care of the, the cop and the and the boss who mm -hmm. they think put the hit on him out on Vito. Right. Um, his reaction is so subtle. It's like right. head turn, eyes closed. And you're like, but, you know, because you've seen, you know, the, the stuff that he does in the wedding and the the the. Um, the negotiation when they try to get him to, to help him with the narcotics mm -hmm. thing. Like, you know that he's a guy who has very rare occasional outbursts of emotion. Most right. of the time. And, and you kind is, of fear that he would have 
one. He is, I mean, he, he would have very, one. He is very reserved, very controlled. And so when he does get angry, it's a big deal. And right. And so when he when he's, you know, in the in the hospital bed and he has that reaction, like without without any like over uh, without any excessive uh, display of emotion, you can tell that he's devastated that Michael is involved yeah. now. Like, well, he does. He does have one out outburst early on when he's with the Undertaker, and, and when he he comes around the table and he grabs. It. Oh no, it's not the Undertaker. It's with uh, Johnny Fontaine. It's, the, it's when the Johnny God Fontaine time. starts. Cr- yeah, he starts crying, and then he gets angry, and he steps yeah. up and he grabs him by the scruff of the neck, and he's like, "How dare you act like this and disrespect me and yourself?" And you know, and he's angry. And all of a sudden, you felt that full presence of Marlon Brando on the screen, yeah. because he was so subtle all the other times. Um, and, and then, you're, and then exactly you know, a seen... moment, a moment later, he's like, he's like, Tom, go to, go to Hollywood and take care of that. Like, right, right. It's just, it's hot. And then it's, and then it's right back down. It's the opposite of not opposite, but it's a contrast to Santino, Sonny, who is just a hothead, like freaks yeah. out about everything. Like he's constantly turned up to 11. Right. And, uh, and, and Brando, and, you also see his, his fantastic acting when he's with the heads of the family again. He's just that, like, oh, he's, he is the quintessential mob boss at right. this table. And so the, the, the point that I, I, I went off on that a little bit, but I think that Al Pacino is trying to play the young version of that. Like, here's a guy who saw this example who didn't embrace the you know, the crime, the illegal nature of what they're doing. But when it came down to it, when his family was attacked, his brother overreacted and he said, what, what do you need me to do? I'll, I'll do this thing. And then, you know, time passes. So they sort of develop this character over time, but he becomes this like very reserved, very understated, like, Hey, don't, uh, don't ask me about my business. Yeah, he, he doesn't. And, and you get and a set up a, for, the, to... for the awkward, strained relationship between him and Kay. Like, she's written right. very much to be a, a disliked character, I feel like. Yeah. Well, she, the, the, uh, you got to give it to Pacino, too, as well. And this could have been his, the director as well, uh, Scorsese, is that, uh, um, Michael is a very different person at the beginning than he is at the end. For sure. And it is a subtle, it is a subtle thing. He's, he's young and naive and hopeful, but not in a giddy sort of way. He's like, he's kind of an adult, but he's a young man. Um, he's, who's he's good confident, and admired. He's very confident, but, but kind of not quite cheerful, but just, just contented. Yep. And when and he the, sees his dad die or shot in the paper, he's, he's emotional but then the later on, Michael, after he takes over, like deciding that he's going to kill these guys and he he struggles with it a little bit, just a little bit. He becomes this person and he yeah. slowly becomes that person. And and maybe that's the whole like they try to do with Italy thing because he, he did <laughs> arrange the whole wedding with, with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to get. But yeah, th- th- it was interesting that this was. To me, not knowing what it was, the story of Michael Corleone and not actually, you know, Marlon Brando. So right. so I liked that. I liked seeing the young guys being, you know, the old guys now being when they were younger and, and them acting. Uh, Sonny, not Sonny, um, who is it? Um, is it Robert Duvall, I'm thinking, that was the the lawyer? Um, that yeah. was, he, he was good. He was good. I was glad. I'm glad that he survived. Um, 
through the whole thing. Well, yeah, and and something that I had forgotten, so I must have seen at least the second one. I don't know if I saw the third one when I watched these years ago. Um, uh, Robert De Niro is not in this. He is not. Uh, right. He is in the second one as young Vito. Oh, really? Okay. So, so That's he cool. he's playing he's playing Vito Vito as because he's like the same age as Pacino. He's maybe even like a year or two younger than Pacino, and so he's right. playing Vito as as an immigrant in his twenties. You know, making his way and how he. Right you know, got on the path to becoming who he became. Well, okay. In conclusion, it's a good movie. Nine or 10. I, not, not a classic epic for me. I, I could watch it, but, but I, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. If not just for prosperity, prosperity's sake. Sure. But, um, but I, I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't like, Oh Godfather, I got to see the scene again. I got to do this. I want to see these characters. I'm so in love with them. No, it's fine. I was good. Glad to see it next one. No. I I think uh, I finally figured out what go to the mattresses means. What's that? So when they it's go to war, when they go to war, the house becomes like a fortress, right? Like they've got a yep. bunch of guys there with guns. Yep. And at one point, either Vito or Tom, I forget who tells, sends somebody to go buy a bunch of mattresses. So to put them on the windows and stuff. Well, I don't think it's that. I think it's that they have so many extra guys at the house as as guards as bodyguards as security yeah that they need oh, places they need to them. sleep and so they need a bunch of mattresses that's funny because there is a scene when when he's talking about cooking for 20 guys yeah exactly i was right. paying attention during that scene i was like what's he what's he gonna make what's the you know because <laughs> right I, I like cooking right? and then they don't really finish that that bit of dialogue out at all. I'm sure I. Could I, I thought that. I thought he was making meatballs. I think he was making meatballs. Wasn't it, I think it, it seemed like meatballs. Yeah, it seemed like he was just making meatballs, and I was like, okay, that's that's not that I, hard. I wanted but. to make whatever he was making. Like, you see that big, big, huge thing of wine he had. <laughs> yeah, cooking? he had his big jug of wine, and I'm like, like <laughs> I want to know, I want to know how I leave the gun, take the cannoli. Take the cannoli. Yeah, take the cannoli. Yeah, the, so that's the, the uh, that's the that's the sequence in You've Got Mail when she when Meg Ryan confronts. She's like, "What? What's the deal with men in the Godfather?" And he does his Tom Hanks does his his uh, Marlon Brando impression, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Godfather is the repository of all wisdom. It has the answer to every question." And like, "What should I? What should I pack on my on my vacation? Uh, leave the gun. Take the cannoli. And like, what uh, what day is it?" Uh, it's monday tuesday thursday wednesday <laughs> right the 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 uh the gun thing was was funny it was it's great to see that like remember the place in time when this was shot and when it was, takes place is that their their rules are to just leave the murder weapon yeah you know that way because if you found with it on you then you can be found but you know he's he's like i made a tr- untraceable gun by putting duct tape around it you know? <laughs> right right there are no prints <laughs> which, which so Yep. Gosh, which yeah. which makes sense back then. In know, a time just... with no no computer records or anything, no, you know, yeah. they couldn't trace it by the sale. So they could. Yeah. There was no like chemical gun, you know, powder residue or things like that. It was just well, what even was. if they could, like the the only the only thing that ballistics ballistics does is match a weapon to the crime. And if the weapon's there, they're like, okay, well, this is the weapon, but there are no prints on it. 
So right. what good does that do him? And when he when he shot, I know we're going long on this one, but when he shot those two guys, uh, I kept thinking like he says to shoot him twice, shoot him twice, <laughs> and he only shoots one of them once, and he doesn't shoot him twice, and then you're supposed to drop the gun. He's walking out the door with it. I'm like, drop the gun, drop the gun, and he finally right, drops it. Right. Jeez, <laughs> you've been practicing for this your whole day. All day. Ugh. Anyway, good good movie. Hey, so what are we doing for next week's challenge? Okay, well our. This is not that important to the listeners, but our schedule is all is all out of whack. The next couple of weeks, we got uh, uh, Fourth of July, Independence Day coming up next week, and so we're going to be recording early. So we want to keep mm-hmm. our challenge kind of uh, easy. What uh, yeah, I mean, okay, it's cool. it's your week to pick. So what are we doing? Oh, uh, um, okay. So we want to keep it easy because yeah, we're only going to have a couple days. Oh, okay. This fits. I know we're doing series, our shows, and we're doing the the you know Wayback Machine, which I'm loving, by the way. But <laughs> let's switch it up a little bit because this works. Let's do a series, and I just saw that, that Westworld ended. Now, you and I have been intentionally putting off Westworld until it was done so that we could watch it all and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about doing Westworld? And we can do this because we can have just a couple shows like this week. and then Yeah, you know, it'll be like back... Back when we started the show and we were talking about Star Trek Discovery every week. Right. Or so, uh, Stranger Things. We do that too, right? So what do you want? The, these episodes are every bit of an hour long. Do you want to just do one? Let's do two. Let's do two. Okay. We're going to do two. Okay. You, I think we can do a couple days. We, we can do two. Especially if it's Westworld. I know. I just know that I'm going to want to see. It's one of those, you know, teases you into the next one type thing. So. All um, right. That's a good opportunity to briefly segue um into some into some video game chat have you seen or played the westworld mobile game there's a westworld no there's a no, westworld mobile no, probably game not. did you ever play uh fallout what, shelter fallout no, i played fallout not fallout yeah shelter. F- fallout shelter was a mobile game it still exists um <laughs> so the the basic premise and there's actually some kind of lawsuit by uh, Bethesda against the studio that made this because they helped them on Fallout Shelter and they're like you took the code that gets some kind of non-compete thing to, to make this game for HBO and or what, not probably not HBO but you know what I mean uh, okay. so the, I've had it a couple days and it's you know it's your classic mobile game but it's got so it's got a an underground part that's very similar to the vault in Fallout Shelter where you got rooms, right? You build those rooms and you upgrade them as you level up. And they're all the rooms from the show. Like there's a room that builds hosts. There's a room that like debugs them. There's a room that repairs them. There's a command center. Um, All of that stuff. Is this, is this, is this a free to play game? Yeah, of course. Oh, so it's got in-app purchases and yeah. Yeah, of course it's a, it's a mobile game. I know, but I, I'm a better fan of the $5 mobile games. Oh, I mean, so am I. But I saw this and I was like, well, I got to at least look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get it for sure. So so that's all below ground. And then above ground, you've got the town with the train station and the and the saloon. And you build okay. and upgrade buildings up there. You know, you build the bank. and then, Or maybe you start with the bank. I forget. And then you build a church and a whatever like eventually you get other locations you can go build abernathy farm and then at any given time 
uh, guests will come. And after a while, you hit like level five and you get the man in black as a guest. Uh-huh. And he's, he's a VIP guest. And so the guests will go to those buildings above ground and they want to have an interaction. Right. This okay. is a, this is how you turn an IP into a game like we talked about last week. Right. Um, yeah. So when the game first starts out, there are two random guests in the saloon and they want to gamble. And you get two generic um I forget. I think they're named after one of the one of the prostitute characters in the show, but you have okay. two generic hosts that have a certain score and I don't know what the number means, but like they have a 12 and they can do one of the things they can do is gambling. And there are all these stats like I haven't spent too much time thinking or figuring that out. But you say, OK, well, this guest wants to gamble. So send this host to gamble with him and they'll gamble for a while. You know, that's the quest sort of mm-hmm. mechanic of it. And then you collect rewards. The host levels up. The host might glitch, and then you got to send them down to diagnostics. Um, and that seems to be the basic loop. And then as you level up, you can build better hosts. It's got the stupid upgrade thing where you can use up to four hosts to level up another one. Right, I see this oh. a lot in um, Asian kind of MMOs or mobile games where it's sort of the so Pokemon take your wasted time and put it all into one thing and ugh. yeah, it's sort right. of the Pokemon thing where like you feed a bunch of crappy Pokemon to your favorite Pokemon and then oh, I hate they, that. Oh, I hate they that. get I hate more that. powerful. Okay. <laughs> um, right. su- super super grindy, but um, yeah, I have that. Uh, and and hey, yeah, I'm not I'm not playing a lot of. Mobile games, it's, I play Rival just for when I get my it's, toys. It's okay. Fine, but... I, I probably won't play very long. Yesterday or the day the, the... before, I reinstalled um, Pokemon Go. Oh, man, the, dude. The, the old classic. It's it's that time of year. I've still got the, I've still got the account access that lets me uh, location hack, which whatever we don't no, get I, any I, mail i but... did that i did that i did that at the end I did yeah that pe- the end people people might take take issue with that but i live in the middle of nowhere where there's no anything and nobody cares about this yeah. game anymore but they no, added they added trading like you can finally trade pokemon oh, really? between between people and i'm like oh i'll check it but that was like yesterday i don't by the end of this week right. i'll have uninstalled it again probably Right. Well, the, the the reason I haven't played a lot of my mobile games, which I do play mobile games, I, I enjoy them, uh, is because the Steam Summer Sale just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's going on, I guess it's still going on now. Uh, you, do you, you, you're uh, obviously you're a PC Master Race guy, um, is, so I'm assuming this is like time of the year to buy games for you, right? Well, a sort of a sort of a funny slash unfortunate thing happened in the last week, week and a half. I don't know. In the last week. Uh, our buddy Zahn found a page on Steam's website where they would show you a grand total of all external money source payments over the lifetime of your account. Yeah. Right. And so we had this fun little game where we got to compare, like, I think the the information goes back to 2010. So, like, over eight years, how much money has each of us spent on Steam games? Um, yeah, right. I forget what my total was. It was something like six or 700 bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. I want to say like, it's less than a hundred dollars a year. I went back in my, in my history and there was a big, um, 
sort of period in 2014, which was after I had moved away from Bloomington. And I think before I had resubscribed, wow, the first, not first time, but. Oh, I was going to blame it on wow. Say, was it wow that you, you didn't do well, it? Well, if, if I'm playing wow, I'm not buying a bunch of Steam games. Right. That's what right? I figured. I figured that'd be your hold, right? But I probably wasn't playing WoW, and so I bought all these Steam games instead. Um, okay. And there are a handful of, like, Fallout 4, um, Star Trek Online. There are a couple games that I bought at full price on Steam. So that's, like, 60 bucks right there. Um, yeah. But in 2017, I only bought one game on Steam. And in 2018, I had only bought one game before yesterday. Before yesterday. Um, Right. That game that I bought a couple months ago is called uh, the is called Sexy Brutal, which is a mm-hmm. kind of weird name, but it's the name of a um, like a a saloon or an old hotel. Okay, um, it's this interesting sort of Groundhog Day style murder mystery thing yeah. where you you are a guy. It's it's uh, isometric. So like Diablo three and you run around and interact with objects in the house. It's an old mansion thing. And, but you can't ever be in the same room with anyone, right? Like they can't see you because you're thing. So you have to sort of know what paths they take. And if you mess up, you can start the day over, right? If someone finds you, the the clock goes back and you start the day over. And so you're like, okay, well he goes there. So I got to wait until he passes and you can peek, you know, all the doors have keyholes or whatever. Um, and you gotta, you gotta manipulate the environment to solve murders or to prevent people from getting killed. So you're like, okay, well this guy leads her there and then she gets attacked by this thing, but her boyfriend is in this control room with cameras. So if I change the cameras so that he sees what's happening before it happens, he's going to run in there and save her. Got it. Anyway, I bought that. It was a fun game. I have not played the whole thing, but I, I I was actually at that kind of a low dollar amount too. I was I was when we people were posting on our on our group chats that what what how much they had spent. I was actually really surprised that our group of friends who I would like to think are really good video game players in our video game chat um, would have spent a lot more money on Steam, but come to find out that over however many many years it was on that list i say we've we've all collectively spent under five thousand dollars over was it 10 years or is it less than that but over how many people seems, oh, I, I don't know i mean it was everyone that reported at least so it was like five people or something maybe yeah, it was five, even less than five thousand dollars five or six people well i mean yeah i mean i mean not to i didn't spend that much and not to not to disparage our friends but some of our friends have been unemployed for various periods of time. I mean, I know when I um, first probably got on Steam, which really that would have been like 09 or 2010. Excuse me. Um, I didn't spend a lot on Steam because I wasn't working. And then the first job I got after that was low enough wage that I wasn't. I think I probably got back into WoW just because it was the cheapest way, which in retrospect is not really that true but uh. right well the 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 thing is is that i i still i guess i expected a bigger amount and and the the thing that that gets me is that you know i know steam is the big 
selling thing on the PC. That's the big game store, the biggest, except for maybe could be argued Blizzard does. Um, and they're, they're, I think they're doing pretty well. I know they don't, they don't report like their earnings or stuff cause they're still privately owned. But, um, I, I would just have assumed that over 10 years that we would have spent thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, that being said, I guarantee you, if you went look at my PlayStation library, I have spent thousands of dollars. Well, and, yeah, and that was the that was the punchline of my story. As I went into my Blizzard account and yeah, added, and it was it was like fifteen hundred dollars or more. Oh yeah, I know that <laughs> for at least a since two thousand ten, a year and a half, I paid fifteen dollars a month instead of getting like the year subscriptions to WoW. Uh, you know, I I was thinking that I was going to make it just a couple more months, just a couple more months, just a couple more yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. And and Steam is only one platform. And I know for me, like, I go back to WoW every so often, so that's an expansion and, and stuff. But I'll also go back to Diablo 3 or Original StarCraft or Minecraft or Factorio, like a game that I bought a long time ago before I'll just buy some new game. Yeah. And again, Steam is only one part of the picture. So you add together uh, Steam, Blizzard, Xbox or PlayStation, you know, console games, um, spending money on mobile games, which I never recommend unless it's a unless it's a for pay game, not an in-app purchase. Right. Um, and and Gamefly, I paid for Gamefly for a number of years. That's a it's a Netflix size subscription. That would be more than a hundred dollars a year. I, I was I was actually surprised though that being a such a PC guy that you didn't have more. Now the, the other side is that our buddy Zahn, I think had the most amount of money spent on Steam, and he, he's he's, definitely he's much a PC more guy. of a like where Trotsky buys every new board game. I mean, obviously Zahn doesn't buy every new video game, but he's paying much more attention to like what new video games are coming out on Steam. Where right. I'm a guy who's much more likely to just go back to whatever Blizzard game. Uh, I agree with that, and, and also Steam. Steam for me, and and I'll admit this wholeheartedly. Steam for me is the the discount bin. It's that when I want to go sure. get a random game that I'll play for an hour or two, and it's worth ten bucks, I'll buy it. That's where I'll go. You know, I mean, and I get honestly, I get those kind of the Steam games that I get, I get for free on PlayStation with my yearly subscription. <laughs> so, so right. you know, like I, I'm looking at there today on the summer sale, there is a few games that they'll like heavily discount i think like dark souls 3 was there today it's 75 percent off and you know if you're even mildly thinking about getting that game then it's worth it's absolutely worth it and that's what i end up buying uh, during the summer sales is those those kind of like discount games or yeah well um, I and bought... i said um i said that before yesterday i had only bought one steam game in 2018 uh last night i bought um fallout 2 Okay. which was which is the second before Bethesda took over that uh franchise when yeah. it was still a isometric turn-based RPG and it was not okay. a weird pseudo shooter that it is now. Uh I I did I the only one I think I've bought so far on this summer sale is um uh ever a game called Everspace and it was like 10 bucks maybe. Mm-hmm. Um it's just a it's a hate using the term roguelike because that means so many different things <laughs> but it's it's a roguelike uh space shooter uh meaning that it's got a good fun good com space combat which is what i bought it for mm-hmm. um so you're you know 
flying through space and all of the beautiful, you know, space stuff and ships sure. that are there fighting all these different kinds of factions and different ship, you know, capital ships or big ships. Um, but you, you basically go through different levels and randomly procedurally generated maps to get as far as you can on, on with your ship before it blows up. Like, so you'll, you know, you're, you're managing oh, okay. fuel for your jumps. You're trying to find mining nodes so that you can get just enough ammo to go on and then maybe hop to the next one and live and get enough credits. And then when you blow up, you basically get all of that money and, st- and resources to spend back at the, the spaceport, and you get to upgrade your your character stats. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like roguelike, but not quite as terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's not like oh, you have to start all over again. No, it definitely not. It's it's like okay, and they even say it's like uh, you the credits that you get per run, you have to spend them all, which is also kind of neat because you don't save up for anything. You you I have see. to. You want to keep doing bigger and better so that you can get ten thousand in one run to spin on something, you know. Um, that reminds me of the, a mobile game. Uh, I want to say Lineage, but I don't think that's right. Uh, hmm. There was a mobile game where basically all you did was like go into this tower and fight through some guys and get to the boss, and yeah. you would almost always die. But then when you died, like you as the player moved forward to the next generation like now you're yeah. that guy's son and you've got his right. same armor and same whatever and you go through it again like it's a weird yeah, yeah. thing because like you move forward pretty far in time with that thing but like it's a it's a one-shot roguelike sort of thing where you're gonna you're gonna die and you'll be dead but you still maintain some of that progression yeah, which, which is, nice which is good. It, it, it made me it made me want to keep playing because those roguelike games will entertain me for an hour, maybe two hours at most, and then mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay, I just I don't want to sit here and grind to hopefully get through my twitchness of it. Um, but this one was definitely like I, I didn't mind dying. I, it sucked that I died like sometimes on the second map, and because of it was a random thing or I didn't find the right stuff or I just had you know over bit what I was going to fight the, the bad guys with. Um, but it wasn't terrible. I got a couple hundred hundred credits and could go go back and start it again, you know. Um, and then you do get significant upgrades. So, like, I know there's one that I'm aiming for that if you get back to where your ship died last time, you can actually loot the resources that you lose. Because um, those are, like, map-specific. Like, you need if you need fuel, mm. um, you don't they don't upgrade fuel to keep it on. But you need it in the game to play. Um, right. So Or a gun that you, you found along the way and, you know, you start back at, at your base ship. Um, but anyway, it's, it was 10 bucks and it was fun and, and I enjoy the combat of it. And that's exactly why I think I like some of the steam summer sales is to get $10, get a, I'm happy to pay, you know, people to make this beautiful game and pay them 10 bucks to do that with. Um, yeah, so I don't I, know if I'll do a lot of that. I know that, um, our buddy Pete is a big fan of those, uh, of those isometric RPGs like, uh, Baldur's Gate and stuff that I, I never mm-hmm. played. And so there's no nostalgia factor for me, but the fallout 2 was 250 in the sale oh wow I'm like, really i'm like That's, you know what got like, you know what for 250 7 or something now? Hmm. Uh, i did so. that with tomb raider like the there was the newest tomb raider i think it was five bucks or something and, and i was mm. like okay and sadly i, played I bought it i still haven't those. played it <laughs> yeah it's it's a little i never played the old ones i played the first of the reboots um, I, de- I definitely played the old ones as well. There are at least two of those, but 
um, right. the, the, the reboots, but it's, it's very similar to, um, uh, like Assassin's Creed or Uncharted, but yeah. it's n- not quite as linear as Uncharted. Dude, dude, that is exactly like calling uh, Godfather like Heat. It's mm. it's the other way around, you know. The two, the, the everything else. Is I, like mean, Tomb Raider, I mean, I mean the, the I mean the modern ones. I never played the old ones. Uh, the right. the modern ones came after Uncharted, so they took took the lessons of newer game develop uh, game design. And, but of course, thematically, both of those franchises are just Indiana Jones. Right. Right. Exactly. They, they really are. Um, well, it, it's, uh, I, I do, I said, I do like the steam stuff. I like, like the steam, steam sale. It's my favorite time of year because I get to buy these kind of cool stuff. Um, but, uh, I haven't bought enough. Now you did mention, Wow. <laughs> and I think it's it goes without saying that I know that you've been playing it this week, and I actually have to because it was the free weekend, which is oh yeah, free weekend. How free, how which, how did how did that go? Now you you said you told me a few months ago that you got a free ten days or something when you bought Overwatch, but did you ever get on when you had that? I did not. Sadly, I I, I can't I did, remember I did, why. I didn't think you. I didn't think that you had. So you haven't gotten on this game since mm. Pandas Cataclysm. Yeah, since I think I actually looked back at my account history because I had some things I was working to fix on my account, um, and it was two thousand and um, ten or eleven. I think it was two thousand eleven. Okay, that's a long time ago. Seven, I mean, it really seven was seven years. years. Yeah. Um, so I I've not played since then. Um, I did now. I did get I did get on. I think uh, in the last year to poke around because you they, it when it went uh, free to play up to a certain level. I think it's oh right right like starter edition. Yeah. So so I, I I logged back on to see if I could run around the world just for nostalgia's sake or whatever. Sure. Um, but uh, my, all my care everything had changed so much. All my characters had. Um, like they server merged or something. I don't know what happened, but my, they, they had their names, you know, reset to like XRQ seven, nine, four, three. And then hmm. when you, the only way to change it, if you log in with them. Yeah. Some of the, it, some of the servers that got very, uh, dead, very quiet. I think there was a period of time, a couple of the expansions where their, their popular, their subscriber count was going down and they merged a couple of the dead servers together yeah um, right maybe before i don't think they've done that in a while since they implemented the cross realm mechanics but yeah well the, the the two that i had were still the same realms that i was on but they still i maybe mine was the older characters that weren't played in so long and that people who merged over got to keep their names or something sure but I, I i i didn't want to put the point was is that on that free starter type weekend, I didn't. I only played a little bit because they were all like level one characters, and then I I wasn't allowed to play my actual characters. So I was like, eh, okay, didn't. But this sure. weekend I did. I got to play my characters, which was super cool. Um, <laughs> I logged in with all of the. I've got two level eight, three level eighty fives, and then some like level forty fives and sixties or something. Um, sure. And eighty five was the max when I quit. I think it's a hundred. Yeah. Now. In in Cataclysm, it's. 110 as of legion and i assume that it's going up to 120 which just gets right increasingly ridiculous but 
It, it, it is, <clears throat> uh, which is also very daunting to start from level one. <laughs> I mean, to think, you know, it's like, oh. Uh, well, yeah, but, I mean, the, the thing that they do, they've done since Warlords of Draenor, which is not this expansion, but the previous expansion. Since then, and maybe even in Mist of Pandaria, which was the one before that, um, with every new expansion, buying the expansion gets you one, uh, um, they call it a character boost. It's yeah. it's basically an item, and they sell them in the store too for like they're not cheap. They're like forty or fifty bucks, but compared to what Ooh. people used to pay for power leveling stuff, it's a yeah. it's a deterrent to that kind of farming that they're always trying to discourage. But yeah. basically, um, when I bought Legion, the current expansion, and the level cap became one ten, I got a free item that I could use to level any of my characters to level one hundred. Which was okay, the cap so the in the previous content. expansion. So you can you can get up to the level where you can start current content. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well the I, I will say my my I did not play it long. It took a while for me to, to do to get in the game and get my characters going again. Uh, and then there's the the real issue of knowing which buttons and interfaces because back then <laughs> I used mods and you're using the default stuff, which by the yeah. way, the default interface is better than I, than I remember it being. They're um, always so they improving it. Things. It's just, you know, once you get used to playing with a certain mod layout, like that feels mandatory. There are plenty of people who play with the default UI and maybe like just a boss mod if they're going to raid. Right. Yeah. It, it seemed okay. Uh, there was a lot, though. I mean, that the the I've said this before, and I I said again. The problem with going back to MMOs is that you it's overwhelming, and I felt for yeah. that entire time massively overwhelmed. Um, there was just the sheer amount of things and uh, that I didn't understand on the interface. And I'd open up a panel, and there'd be like six other panels that have <laughs> things that I don't understand, and and I don't even know where to begin. There's no explanation for them. Um, and then there's collections and sets and stuff that I don't, I just didn't, I just couldn't get. And I was, I was like, this looks neat. And I'm sure this is the really neat way to organize it because I saw some things I did understand. And I was like, oh, they fixed this, you know, like the sets thing, like when transmog, it, it was so much easier to transmog things now. And how yeah, I, I mean, see they all had, the sets and they had collections and transmogs in Cataclysm, I'm sure, because I think it was like by wrath that they stopped making you like use an inventory slot for every pet and mount. Well, they, they just, they just started that in the transmog, like right before I left. Um, so oh, they I had see. it, but, but they didn't have it. Um, oh, you still had the, to have the items. unlock the, the, you still had to keep the items. So they had like void storage and stuff, which is all still around, yes. but you unlock appearances and then you can just vendor the item. Like you don't need to yeah. keep it. Which, which I went to the bank first. What it is, I went, the first thing I did is I finally, finally found myself, back at the bank, opened up the bank <laughs> slot and realized that I had, you know, inventory massively full, bank massively full. And yeah. then you, the, my first, the next thing that was amazing was they finally put in a regents bag or reagents yep. bag. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, here it is. Hit the button, auto sort. 90% of my stuff went into there. I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> this is what they needed years, decades ago. Um, and uh, elder scrolls has that. Um, so they, I, sure. I clicked that. That was awesome. Um, and then I was left with a whole bunch of gear. Um, and I was thinking, if I'm on here right now, the only thing I'm going to do is I want to make sure I log off with my cool gear. 
you know, that I, that I had the full black temple gear, or um, or it was this, yeah. like the Maleficent gear or something like that. Um, for the warlock it had the wings and stuff. That was cool. That happened. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And, um, so I had all the whole set for that and I still kept it in my bank for the longest time, but, um, it was neat. I went over the transmog and I realized I don't actually have to keep these. I mean, right. it, I can just transmog anything into it and it worked pretty cheap. And I was like, oh, I still didn't delete them, but, but, mm. but I, I can now. I know that I had, I also in my bank had like all the tabards. Um, I had right, all of the, right. I had all the shirts, like the, the um, mm-hmm. Christmas shirts and the, the holiday shirts and things like that, that you could just wear around, um, which I don't need. You know, it was just I can now that I can just fin- that was that was just something that was neat to see that they had make improvements for. Um, but more overwhelming things happened. Like I don't recognize a lot of the city. Even Stor- I was in Stormwind for most of the things. And there's big dragons flying around and I can't interact with any of them. I don't know why they're there, what they're doing. Hmm. Um, and then there's, there's Were they quests. like blue or the transparent blue dragons. Yeah, there's yeah. And there's that's, a huge. That's massive. one of those events. I think they've had one of those in almost every expansion where if somebody kills something, it's like one of the last, not even necessarily one of the last, but um, like in burning crusade, when somebody would kill Kael'thas and bring his item is, I don't even remember what it was. It's some orb or something, bring that back mm-hmm. to Shatrath city and give it to Cadgar or somebody. Oh, um, you'd have the dragon head in, on the thing, right? Yeah. You'd have the dragon head or the heart or something sitting in the, and that's what, it's the blue dragon flight is all happy because you killed Deathwing or, or something. And that's, oh. it, it's well, not yeah, all the I time. Mean, it just, it just happens when, when somebody turns that in, but yeah, I mean the most major change to Stormwind happened during cataclysm when Deathwing burned stuff up, but yeah. they still are constantly like, Oh, we need a new way for people to get to these zones. So let's, yeah. add on another thing to the uh to the harbor and of course the harbor was a new addition in i think cataclysm right. or maybe no it was in uh in wrath like you lich could take king. A, I think it was lich king yeah you could take a boat well, that, up to north rend and now there's a big um there's a big like shrine and monument to varian because varian died at the beginning of this expansion spoilers <laughs> i mean i talked about it last right. week Right. Well, the, the, it's but it's still a beautiful game. I I, I loved I, the ability to switch between all my mounts, and I did, and I was like, oh, this really cool effects on many of my mounts, and be able to fly mm-hmm. around the world is still very pretty. And nighttime storm winds, very beautiful. Um, and outside on the, you know, seeing people fight on the, uh, like, was it Westfield or something like that? You know, uh, oh, these old people zones. Dueling it was, out there, it, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty neat. Or Westfall or something. Like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love it. I do love WoW. Um, it's still the best, even if going back and massively overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. And my quest log was going crazy as soon as I logged in. And I got like 16 different <laughs> million achievements that happened all immediately. And nice. so I didn't, you know, I didn't know what any of that meant. But, you know, and I also didn't know if I was any good or not. That was the biggest thing. And, <laughs> and uh, all the hardest, I'll tell you what, the most overwhelming thing is that I don't understand that the abilities like sure it's, it's well, yeah completely i mean different now i mean you're There's... talking about since cataclysm there has been mr pandaria which you missed the whole panda thing but yeah. mr pandaria warlords of draenor which is a weird alternate timeline uh 
Legion, and now we're a little over a month until we're like four or five weeks until Battle for Azeroth, a whole new... So, like, you're at least three expansions, and I feel like I'm missing one. 90, 100, 110, no. You're three expansions behind, and so I talked about this last week. Like, they change a lot of things about classes. Like, um, I've played... I played a Hunter in Burning Crusade, and I switched back to Hunter in this expansion. All in between, I played a Paladin, because I'm like... If I'm a tank, then I can get into groups easier. And finally, in this yeah. expansion, I was like, you know what? A tank has to know everything. Like, the tank yeah. is expected to know the routes and the what mobs you can skip and the paths for every dungeon. And I'm like, yeah. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to go watch every video. If I'm a hunter, all I have to do is hang back here, shoot <laughs> at the stuff the tank is, is yeah. fighting, and and it's easy. But... That, in, that's what drove me to a tank, by the way, is because I was tired of tanks being terrible. Sure, that's sure. What, but it's it's you know it's a it's sort of risk reward thing. Like it's more work, but it's more rewarding. Like I feel more valuable. Um, yeah, for sure. But for sure. as as beast mastery hunter, I can do like heroism and battle res and some of that stuff. So that's still okay. kind of gratifying and whatever. But in in Legion, I think it was in this expansion in Legion. They changed um, the survival spec. So um, hunters have always had three specs. I mean, all the classes have three specs except druids that have four. Um, They had beast mastery, marksmanship, and survival. And they're fairly self-explanatory, but like beast mastery was focused on pets. Marksmanship was focused on bow damage. And survival was always kind of weird different stuff like people would use it for pvp a lot you could do more traps more of that kind of stuff well in legion they changed it so that marksmanship hunters can roll without a pet at all like they just get extra damage instead of having a pet and i'm like if you want to do that just play a real caster like i don't i never had any respect <laughs> well, for that, that whole that, line that, of logic see that's, that's the then, thing was when i'm when i'm looking at those specs like I, I don't i even my that i was intimately familiar with the death knight and the, the warlord or warlock and i'm like i don't know these spells sound familiar but i don't know the specs yeah, and what well, the, is where the, and, and so, what i should do and and so that was the that was the point i was going to make like I don't think that they make huge changes. They do change the minutia, the details, because over time they've tried to make the mechanics of combat more active, which is annoying to me, but I understand why. The The major changes that I know of are um, for Hunter survival spec, they don't even use a bow anymore. Now they uh- use a melee weapon. They use like a pole arm instead of a bow so like they're in there in melee range and i'm like what why don't you just play a rogue or a or a dps warrior or something like that doesn't right make and, any if you, sense and if you me. and if you came back as a hunter from wrath of the lich king you would have no idea that's what you're supposed to do right right you just think oh i'm i'm a i'm a marksman i'm supposed to have my pet and he does this and you're like no no no, you're playing it wrong right yeah. and you gotta and so learn I how do you think... know that you know I've I've played alts of of most of the classes, usually only one one or two specs, and so I'll just Google like what's the easiest uh, thing. Like, um, warlocks are still um, destruction, demonology, and affliction, 
And for mm-hmm. the most part, like those are still the same. Like one's big mage damage, one's pet focused, and one's uh, damage over time focused. Right. Right. And right. so then what what changes are the details in between? You're like, oh, we don't have this. Now we have this. Like all of the spells over time, you know, back in um, Wrath and, or yeah, Wrath and Burning Crusade, Paladins had a thing where they could put a, like, a bubble of cancel all damage on somebody for like a minute by sacrificing themselves. Right. So the paladin would die, but somebody else would be protected from all damage for a minute. So if your raid was wiping on something, you could divine intervention, somebody. And then if you timed it right, they would live through the boss, you know, resetting or despawning or whatever. And then they could start rezzing people. They wouldn't have to run back. Well, that's gone out of the game now. Jeez. Well, whatever I, I, I will like I, I over will, 12 that, 13 years like stuff changes yeah and and the real answer to that is a real simple one uh start from level one yeah i mean i mean that's a crazy thing to say but to learn the interface again to learn the mechanics to learn the stuff creating a new character and getting things piece by piece they will walk you through it they they've got this they're they didn't just yeah implement the- systems without it and you know even if you play a new class you've never played before within by the time you get to level 20 you'll have learned where your mount button is and how the <laughs> the new interface works with switching you know specs and and it'll, it'll all come not just come back to you but you'll get the new things right yeah and um, it's it's historically been frustrating for me to play any any MMO, I mean, and all all the MMOs I've played are like this. Like, there's a level cap. And so, as you're leveling, like, leveling takes a while. WoW, and Blizzard and WoW have made it consistently faster and faster. Like, even though they keep raising the cap, um, you know, you get a mount at level 20. And if you mm-hmm. have played a long time and collected a bunch of uh, heirloom gear like I have, you you can get a mount from level 1. It's not as fast, but it's faster than running. Um, When I started playing, you didn't get a mount until level 40. That was like, you've probably been playing for a month by that point. Like, it took much longer. It was much more like old school EverQuest style. It's all shorter than it used to be. But um, the, the truth is that, like, most of the game happens at max level. And so as you're leveling and you're like, hey, how do I do this and this and this? And you're they're like... Oh, it doesn't matter. Just yeah. Just keep leveling until you get to the top, and then you can and then you can figure it out. And as they've simplified, streamlined, condensed, whatever word you want to use to describe that, as they've made the leveling experience shorter and faster, it's definitely gotten to the point where if you just grind straight to the level cap, you're still not really going to know how to play your class. Um, right. In I mean, for a variety of factors, one of which is that there's usually some big significant ability or talent that you don't get until max level or just before it. And you're like, yeah. Oh, suddenly now I can do this on Play, a cooldown, And it's yeah. Play the know, whole game differently. Yeah. The whole game is different. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, um, I, I will say this is a, I love that you mentioned like the, the, the race to the max level in EverQuest. I played that game for four years, I think, and mm-hmm. my main character never hit max level <laughs> because I, I know it. But but the thing was with that game was that it was so arduous and so difficult to 
to grind and to power level and you would sit for long periods of time and you, you know, you die and lose an entire day or two days work. Um, so it was, uh... it was always two steps forward, one step back, sometimes two step forward, three steps back. Um, so, you know, just, and then you would spend in EverQuest sometimes your whole session just looking for a group and then realize after an hour later you've been sitting here crafting trying to look for a group you can't get any exp today um so that i know right it's it's a horrible thing so wow wow this is one of those things that wow did differently you know it's all about racing to the end and then there's so much at the end game whereas the old games before that were literally about hardly anyone's going to be max level only the elite get to the max level you know and the, the really hardcore people um and then they have their, you know, their end game there. Um, but there was so many people at all across the world still pl- trying to play, you know. Right. And I was what I would consider semi-hardcore on that game. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's, so that's MMOs. And the, the, the reason that I have this on the list is uh, I did something in the past week that, uh, that I've never done before. Okay. Uh, I, I bought and listened to a... World of Warcraft audiobook. Oh, okay. Right. Like, like, a, like a, I've uh, some story I've on and off. It, okay. Yeah. I've on and off listened to the instance almost at any given time when I'm actively playing this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, probably not when I was deep into raiding, but when I came back to the game, I was like, what kind of podcast? Like I was on audiobooks and stuff by then. And so I'm like, check this out. Right. But, um, they, the, um, I'm not going to remember the author's name now, but she published a book that's a sort of setup prequel for the expansion. Okay. And it was pretty short. The audiobook was like nine hours. Um, and I don't know, somebody in guild chat or something had, uh, had mentioned it. And I was like, I was like, huh, I should check this out. Like it's a, it's a video game. And we had a whole conversation last week about, um, narrative versus interactive kind of thing. Like this is a video game and it's, and it's an MMO. So there is a lot of story, but the story is by necessity kind of shallow, right? Like understanding that like there are people whose whole job it is to write quest text, quest text that 98% of the player base is not going to read. They just hit accept and go to the next, right? Right. Um, what about those people that keep... write books? Write write the books for the books that are in the bookshelves in like. Oh yeah, you click on the book and there's and there's pages of text and you're like, man, who's reading this text? Somebody <laughs> is. It's not Somebody me though. Is. Um, right. But at a high level, like I, I get somewhat intrigued by the various stories that are going on. Um, okay. The did I talk about this last week? I, no, I think I talked about it in chat because one of okay. our one of our friends, uh, Pete, I think had said, you know, he's he's way out of touch with the lore. Um, right. I don't know. Is this is this interesting to you at all? Sure. Go ahead. It's the, I, I love the <laughs> I love the lore of of Warcraft. And it's we talked what we did talk about last week was how it came from um, like just this, you know, more work, these kind of basic game without a lot of lore. And then it just built more right. and more and more. And Warcraft just, yeah, has two. over, over time, they keep adding to it. And they have this legacy of the story in Warcraft three, uh, yeah. Warcraft three oh, yeah. and Warcraft three, 
Frozen Throne or whatever the sequel to Warcraft Three that was, which about is Arthas. basically the like the best story driven Warcraft besides maybe World of Warcraft, right? You know, and right. and World of Warcraft of course has just expanded on that. So, um, the 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 big enemy in the current expansion Legion is the Burning Legion, this race of demons, and okay. there's all this stuff about um, the Titans who are basically like they're not quite gods and um you discover through the course of whatever that the planet Azeroth is actually a um a dormant titan in like egg sort of form oh, okay and that's where you get like um the sunwell and the well of eternity like all that stuff in the in the past lore where a bunch of power came out of the out of the planet. Um, that's basically the Titans power. And it's sort of the, the explanation for why the people quote unquote, all the, you know, the players and have, have these magical abilities. They're basically channeling the power that's in the planet. Okay. Um, and that's, that's deeper than I wanted to go. But, um, in the beginning of the expansion, um, the Legion that had previously, like they decimated Draenor in Outlands, right? That's why Outlands okay. was so crappy. Like the right. the demons had just driven the Draenei and the orcs out of there. The orcs were yeah. native to the planet. The Draenei weren't. Um, yeah. And they all came to Azeroth. So okay. the demons come to Azeroth at the beginning of the sp- expansion. And so both sides, Horde and Alliance, go to fight them. And um, Gul'dan is with the bad guys because he's you know, a, a recurring bad guy wanting to use right. fell undead energy to create armies and, and whatever. Yeah. And, um, Horde and Alliance are fighting side by side and, um, Varian gets surrounded. He is the king of Stormwind and the, and the head of the Alliance. And, yeah. Sylvanas. Wait, wait, wait. I, th- I think I've heard this. He gives, doesn't he give his dagger to this orc lady and she's like, kill me now and you'll be this. Like, no, <laughs> no, that's terrible a terrible movie. Terrible movie that, reference. Sorry. That, that's a previous, a previous king. So, um, <laughs> I think Varian is Anduin Lothar from the movie. Anduin Lothar okay. is his grandfather, I believe. Oh man, my head's starting to hurt from all the. Yeah, and it gets complicated. So he's the current king. He gets surrounded. Sylvanas is supposed to be providing him backup. She's the dark lady of the forsaken, the undead. Uh, She's got all these archers up on the hill and she pulls back off the rise and the Alliance doesn't know why they're like, Oh, she betrayed us and Varian dies. And that's crappy. If you play that same scenario as a horde player, you see that while that's happening, one of the trolls, uh, Vol'jin, I think, is the current war chief of the horde that Thrall used to be. I think Thrall is still alive, but he's withdrawn. Like he doesn't want to be war chief because he's got other shaman things to deal with. Okay. So the war chief dies and Sylvanas has to fall back to protect him. And he tells her she has to be war chief. She doesn't want to be war chief. She's all about the undead, her people, but she does it anyway because there's nobody else fit to be war chief. So through all of this expansion, Sylvanas is war chief of the horde. And somehow 
between between this expansion, the end of this expansion, where they go and kill the players in raids, go and kill Gul'dan, and they go and kill Sargeras, who is the fallen titan who raised the Burning Legion. Um, Sylvanas is going to, as I understand it, is going to start a war in earnest between the Horde and the Alliance. Okay. Um, they're sort of fighting over this resource because when the players kill Sargeras, he stabs this gigantic sword into the planet of Azeroth. And yes. I've seen it. It's in Silphus. It's really is gigantic. Like it doesn't fit on the screen if you zoom all the way out. Um, and when this happens, some of the like lifeblood of the planet that they call Azerite starts to seep out and form these crystals. And it's this very I'm, powerful. I'm, I'm already starting to get overwhelmed again. You're, you're overwhelmed <laughs> with all these details. It's, it's, it's basically, details. it's basically vibranium. Okay. I get and, that reference. <laughs> and so, so both, both sides want it. Anyway, this, this audiobook is sort of the chronicle from both um, the side of Anduin Rin, not Anduin Lothar from the movie, Anduin Rin, who is Varian Rin's son. Okay. Who has become king of the of Stormwind and the Alliance because his father died. He didn't really want to be king, like he was a priest, still is a priest, but um so he's sort of uncertain. He's got uh Gray Gen Greymane, the the worgen kind of counseling him but he's a grouchy old man kind of stuff um jaina is somewhere around but she's still pissed off i don't know if you know because that was in warlords i think um anyway big war (laughs) yeah he he's he's going through that sylvanas is trying to balance like taking care of her people the undead forsaken and being responsible for the entire horde including the orcs, the trolls, and the tauren, none of whom really trust her because she's undead and mostly focused on the undead. Um, And they do, without spoiling it, because I I think you'll you'll probably enjoy reading it, they they explore this kind of um, plotline possibility, not plot possibility, but this this scenario where... um, the undead were humans, right? In in Lordaeron, in Arthas's uh-huh. kingdom. Right. We know that for sure. And when they became undead, uh, they were the the scourge, just mindless zombies. And okay. Syl- Sylvanas, who I forget the details of how this happened, but she was killed and raised undead, but is she still looks like a high elf. Um, had the power to restore the minds of a large segment of the undead that are now called the Forsaken. That's all the undead um, NPCs and players, right? They're not mindless zombies. They're just undead people. People, right. Um, And so they explore the possibility of there are people, humans, living in stormwind in the surrounding area who have friends and family who were killed when um arthas turned them all on killed them all and turned them undead but and who you know they rejected they're like you're 
monsters, your abominations. We don't want anything to do with you. And they, you know, they go and join the horde, the, the forsaken do. And so they yeah. explore the, the possibility of there are human characters, people who have family that they have thought of as dead, who are still living as undead. That's right. They still have a mind and a thing. And a, yeah. They still have a mind and a thing. And so Anduin, you know, being quote unquote good and um, whatever, wants to, you know, try and try and take the first steps toward peace between the Horde and Alliance. Um, I won't spoil it, but it doesn't really work out. Right. It doesn't work out for them. Right. <laughs> right. All, all uh, but it was it was it was interesting. Like, I've never read any um of fan fiction or or novels or anything set in the in the warcraft world (laughs) not honestly but the the universe um mostly it just made me want to play more even though like the story's all there but when you're playing you mostly are not thinking about the story um though there are definitely times when i've played like one quest line on a character and i go through it with an alt and I pay a little closer attention and oftentimes they'll like, they'll follow a character's whole arc where you're like, okay, this guy was studying this. And then, you know, there's this like magic addiction thing with the race and the situation. And you're like, okay. And then he does this and his, his journal entries get more and more incoherent. Yeah. And then at the end of the quest line, you see him and he's a, he's a red tag mob. Like, He's gone completely feral through magic addiction and you have to put him down. You have to kill him. And I'm like, oh, this is freaking tragic. Like I completely <laughs> missed this the first time. I'm just following these steps without reading any of it. Right. And there's well, that- so much. I mean, it's an MMO. Like you said, you come back to it and you're just overwhelmed by how much right. there is. You know, when a game goes and is constantly being uh, updated and developed and new expansions every couple years like the world just grows to have all of these all of these details all these things that are not you know they're not epic novels they're not even mostly most of them are not even to the level of like a comic book story arc but they're stories written by people like they're still right the potential for some really good stories well, they, that was one of the things I, I really enjoyed. And, and now that you're talking about this here with story and lore in a game, I, God, I've got MMOs installed on a machine. I don't need another one. Um, is uh, <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic was the Star Wars one. Was mm-hmm. um, pe- people, one of the biggest complaints people had about that game was that it was a great single player game. Uh, it's an MMO right. that was a great single player game. Because did you ever play that game at all? The- uh I, I know you were a Star Trek, not Star Wars guy at the time. I don't think so. I played a couple of the single player Knights of the Old Republic. I don't think I played the right. MMO. Well, so the, the MMO it was uh, it was very heavily story driven, and yeah. and the the scenes were cut scene type. I mean, all of the the dialogue, a lot of it, most all of it was very cut sceney type stuff and dialogue mm-hmm. wheel, um, and they would talk. So your personal story was the clear main point of the game. And they had side quests, but it was all about your choices. What they I've, were doing. I've your, definitely your played games stuff. like that, and our our buddy Chance played that, and he told me that that's how it was. Yeah. So so and, and that was really cool. And what makes me want to go back and play it now is that I finished it. Like when it first came out, I finished it, and I felt like I got the whole story. Now that the neat thing about that game was that you 
every single class was not the same storyline. It was a completely different mm-hmm. storyline altogether. The bounty hunter was not the same as the stormtrooper, was not the same as the Jedi. Uh, they didn't even intersect with each other a lot. They had stuff going on in the same world, but it was just different stories. Sure. Um, so, so that was really neat that I could go back and I played through the agent and then I, which was like the Imperial agent. And then I played through the, um, the bounty hunter storyline and I beat them both. And then I was like, okay, now I can go back and play through the, or Jedi or the um, stormtroopers, and they had stories too. So that was really neat. But I kind of really played the bounty hunter and the agent. And I really enjoyed their stories, and I wanted to have more. And that's what their expansions were like. You had more to their story. Right. Um, but you were the point was that you were heavily invested in the whole story of the game, um, and that's why it didn't get the huge appeal from hardcore <laughs> MMO people basically because. To them, they wanted to get to the end and get to the end game and do the end game stuff. And there was some end game, but the whole game was about the story. Yeah, so, I've I've played so many MMOs that had that problem. Like, what is the end game? Is the end game just, you know, like Guild Wars 2? Is it just getting 100% on every zone you see? Because that is not going to, that's not going to hold me. Yeah, it, it wasn't, and and this this doesn't this doesn't hold you for long times too. As if like you okay, you go into the end game dungeons, and you're it's even the dungeons, all of the dungeons in that game are scripted story based things. So you know the story of this dungeon, and you go th- right, you've done it, and yeah. Do you want to get a new lightsaber crystal to get plus two more damage? Well, sure, the, the most elite could grind forever to get it, but you've seen the story. That's the point. Um, and you've beaten the big ad-at, and you've, the big bad's there, right? Uh, so, right. yeah, the, and that's that was the point. Um, now, I remember fighting uh, Illidan. To me, beating Illidan was the goal. To a lot of people, getting their complete sets was the goal, right? Sure. Um, and I know that when I tank, I, like as a warlock, I tanked Illidan. And that was the highlight of what I wanted to do. And then when we beat him, that's that was complete to me, right? Um, and yeah. so in, in, in the newer in Star Wars, the Star Wars Coder game MMO, you got those, you did those things, you you completed your main story. It's like, okay, I don't want to do, I don't need to do anything else. So people left, right? Um, right. And then now, now it makes me want to go back now because I know that I'm sure they've got several expansions, and then I can continue my story with my characters, which would be pretty neat. Um, anyway, that. Uh, Games like WoW just throw a hundred heaping mounds of lore at you from a billion things instead of like focusing on one, you know, that ties you in per se. But anyway, that was Bioware. Bioware's big thing about creating story and the individualized story was that was oh, their hook. yeah. They're yeah. did they do what's the franchises they're known for? They did Coder and they did like all the Knights of the Republic stuff. They did um uh, what's the it's the dragon dragon age stuff mass effect oh yeah 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 mass effect yeah they're they're all they're all very story driven things and they made an sure. MMO that was very story driven and they weren't going to change it they were yeah they weren't going to go and put like okay let's make our our dungeons grindy to have the best looking gear it was like no the point of doing the dungeon is the story that's why we're making this MMO you know right yeah which which again didn't make for a long term you know, let's get 12 million subscribers staying forever and, you know, type thing. Because I saw it. Well, that is a lot of t- game talk this weekend. 
I thought I thought we would talk about Fallout, but we've talked enough about game lore and stories. Maybe by the time we record again, I'll have given Fallout Two a try and see what the old turn-based isometric style game was like. I I, I think I might have played that one. Well, I have to look back up and see. Uh, cool, it's cool, dude. Game. We got it. We we got another recording in a couple of days. We'll, we'll we'll get it in. All right. All right. You have been listening to the Front Porch episode forty four. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geeks Dollars Movie News. Our website yeah. is frontporchpodcast.com. Go there. There's show notes. There's links. Uh, contact stuff. information. Tell us all the stuff we're wrong about. Tell us we talk about WoW too much. Pictures of Dennis. Um, if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, if you leave us a review, that helps out. Um, that's all of it. That's it. Thanks that's again the, for listening. That's the spiel. Until next time, I'm Dennis. <laughs> and I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. Yes.